Go to the book of Genesis again, Genesis chapter 18. Vamos a regresar a Genesis capítulo 18. Hallelujah. Begin reading. I'm going to read a, a slightly longer portion this morning or this than I read this morning. Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, Genesis 18, verse 1. Praise God. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a piece of bread that you may have that you may refresh yourselves after that you can go on since you have visited your servant and they said so do as you have said so Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah and said quickly prepare 3 measures of fine flour knead it and make bread cakes Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. And he took curds and milk and the calf which had been prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have the pleasure, and my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Then the men arose from there and looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham was walking with them to send them off. Read again verse 14. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Ask yourself that question tonight. Say it out loud. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, the angel said, or the Lord said, I will return to you. At this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak to us by your word. I ask you to anoint my lips with clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation that we might hear the word and receive it into the fertile soil of our hearts. 
We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. I want to share with you today about Sarah. We spoke this morning about Abraham, and I know God spoke to our hearts concerning some great life principles that we learned in the account of Abraham's encounter with God. But God's encounters in our life are very rarely ever exclusively our own. Often when God does something in the life, it impacts the whole family. Muchas veces uh, cuando Dios hace algo en nuestras vidas, tiene un impacto familiar. Y el encuentro que vimos esta mañana de Dios y Abraham tiene un impacto familiar. Y esto es de gran ánimo para nosotros. This ought to encourage us in the knowledge that God, when he speaks to you, he's speaking to your family. He's speaking to those people that have a connection to you. Cuando Dios habla a tu vida, Él está hablando a las personas que tienen relación hacia ti, conexión contigo. Y eso nos debe animar porque el propósito de Dios no es exclusivamente nuestro. God is at work in a whole lot of a big, in a great, much greater way and in a much bigger picture than what you and I can think or imagine. And what we see tonight is that there is in the midst of this great story and this great encounter with God between Abraham and God, there is this woman, Sarah, his wife. En este encuentro que Abraham tiene con Dios, está a la par de él su esposa, la cual es llamada Sarah. Now, uh, we're going to read this morning or this evening uh, about one of the low points in her life. Estamos leyendo esta noche de uno de los puntos bajos de su vida. But the end of her story is quite significantly great. El final de su historia es mucho más grande que este punto bajo. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that by faith, Sarah received the ability to conceive even when she was past childbearing. And the only record of her in that, in that book of Hebrews is that of her faith. And so we see that God does not evaluate our life by the low moments, but he does evaluate our life by the believing moments. And so it is important that you and I end the day with faith. Say amen, somebody. Tell your neighbor, end the day with faith. Whatever happens tomorrow morning, whatever happens tomorrow afternoon, whatever challenges your faith, end the day with faith. Always let the story end with you believing God. Say amen, somebody. But I want us to study Sarah for a minute because this is an important analysis for us to make. We analyzed uh, um, Abraham this morning, and that was important, and I don't want to miss the opportunity to study what's going on with Sarah. Quiero que analicemos, así como analizamos a Abraham, analizar a Sarah. Uh, porque este análisis es tan importante como el de Abraham. The book of Isaiah also talks about Sarah, and it says that Sarah was a rock. Dice Abraham, perdón, el libro de Isaías, que Abraham, perdón, que Sara es una peña, una roca. And so God obviously has a high opinion of this woman. Dios tiene una opinión alta de esta mujer. But when we read about her in Genesis chapter 18, cuando leemos de ella en el capítulo 18 de Génesis, 
Ella tiene 90 años de edad. By this point in time, she is 90 years old. Now, I have seen uh, some very spry 90-year-olds. In fact, we have some that are a little older than 90 that still drive themselves to church. So that's exciting when you can still do that at 90. How many of you still want to drive yourself to church at 90? Well, this, this is uh, the place for Sarah. She is obviously uh, still able to get a whole lot done. She's still obviously able to bake bread and make bread cakes on the spot, right? She can make some tortillas just like that, just that quickly. So she's got, she's got her strength. She's got her energy for a 90-year-old. But what God is going to do in her life is out of season for where she is. Lo que Dios quiere hacer en la vida de Sarah es fuera de la época de lo que es propio para ella. Ella es una mujer de 90 años, sin duda, una mujer fuerte. No está agonizando, no se está muriendo, tiene capacidad. Pero eh, el, el plan de Dios para su vida no, no parece ser muy adecuado para este momento. And this is important for us because often when God does something, it seems like he does it. Late. Have you ever felt like God did something late? ¿Cuántos han sentido como que Dios lo hizo tarde? And you say, Lord, I'm glad you did it, but it would have been nicer if you would have done it earlier. A veces decimos, Señor, qué bueno que obraste en mi vida de esta forma, pero hubiese querido que lo hicieras más temprano en mi vida. And uh, this is uh, often the case because God will always let the, the clock run out on the natural so that the spiritual gets the glory. Dios siempre deja que el tiempo se le acabe a lo natural para que lo espiritual reciba la gloria. You see, if God does things by our schedule, our tendency in the natural is to take the credit. Cuando Dios hace algo por nuestra agenda, nuestro, nuestra um, forma de pensar, nuestra tendencia es de llevarnos la gloria. De decir, esto lo hice yo. But when God waits till you're 90 to give you a promised child, then the only one that can get glory out of this is God. And that is the point. Cuando Dios espera hasta que Sara tenga 90 años, entonces Él está esperando hasta el último momento, pero esto es para recibir la gloria. Everybody say with me, to God be the glory. Diga conmigo, a Dios sea la gloria. Say it again, to God be the glory. One more time, to God be the glory. You might say, God seems to have done it late in my life, but to God be the glory. It seemed like the money came just in time, but to God be the glory. And when you and I can live with that perspective, it makes all the difference in the world. Si usted y yo podemos vivir con esa perspectiva, podemos vivir con la perspectiva de la gloria de Dios, eso hace la diferencia en nuestra vida. So these three visitors come to Abraham's tent. Estos tres visitantes llegan a la tienda de Abraham. And who did I tell you this morning these three visitors were? They were the Lord God himself. Jehová llega a la tienda de Abraham. God has come to visit Abraham. Dios ha llegado a visitar a Abraham. Y cuando él llega, la escritura uh, describe que Sara no sale de la tienda. When they arrive, the Bible tells us that Sarah stayed in the tent. 
I don't know why she stays in the tent. No sé por qué ella se quedó en la tienda. Quizá alguna norma cultural, perhaps a cultural norm is at play. But it seems that there is a reticence or a reluctance to participate in what God is doing in the life of Abraham. Parece ser que ella tiene una, una duda de poder entrar a lo que Dios está haciendo en la vida de Abraham. This is often the case that when God puts a ministry or a calling on somebody's life and that call, that ministry impacts the whole family, but the whole family doesn't exactly feel the same call. Not everybody heard the same voice. Not everybody got the, the call in the middle of the night and heard the whispers of the Lord. Not everybody got the same chill bumps and, and saw the same vision. So it's a lot harder for the people around you to get it when you're the one that God has called. But in the midst of that, God wants to do something in that family. Something that's going to impact Sarah. And something that's going to impact the generations that come out of the family of Abraham. The scripture says that the, the, the Lord said to Abraham, by this time next year, you are going to have a son. Sarah is going to bear you a son by this time next year. And I dealt with this morning with the fact that God is saying to us as a church, that by this time next year, there are going to be some things in your life that you've been waiting for for a long time that are going to be manifested this year. Say amen if you believe it. Say amen if you receive it. God is speaking to you, saying, I'm going to do something in your life, and I'm going to, this is something you've been waiting for, praying for, believing for, but you haven't seen, but I'm going to do it in the life of this church so that you can know that I'm God and that I keep my word, and that when I speak, things happen. And, and Sarah laughed. The Bible said when she heard this, she laughed to herself. And Obviously, she laughed. Every one of us would probably laugh, too. Now, let's be honest, all right? None of us are better than Sarah tonight. We can all agree with that, right? Uh, she laughed because she was 90 years old. Dice la escritura que Jehová le dijo a Abraham, dentro de un año vas a tener un hijo, y Sara va a tener un hijo, y Sara se rió. Now, she wasn't laughing at God. No se estaba riendo de Dios. She was laughing at the prospect of a 90-year-old woman having a baby. Ella se estaba yendo, uh, riendo de la idea de que una mujer de 90 tuviera un bebé, que tuviera un niño. And I want us to analyze this this evening because her laugh is often our laugh. And this can be a hindrance in you obtaining what God wants you to obtain this year. Number one, here's the first problem we have, we see, is that she considered the discrepancy between what was spoken and what she could see. Lo, el primer problema que tiene Sara es que ella consideró la diferencia entre lo dicho y lo visto. She heard the word of the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. Was this the word of the Lord? I said, was this the word of the Lord? Is there any doubt that this was the word of the Lord? Who was speaking? The Lord. 
So there was no problem with the sword. But when she looked at it, she looked at the discrepancy, the difference. Ella vio la diferencia entre lo dicho por Jehová y lo visto por lo natural. That's always the first level of thinking. And that is always the first hindrance to faith. Esto siempre será el primer nivel del pensamiento y el primer, uh, la primer obstáculo, el primer obstáculo a la fe es cuando observamos uh, lo que vemos y lo que hemos oído y le damos más valor a lo que vemos. She gave more weight to what she saw than to what she heard. She gave more weight to what the natural eye could see and what the natural mind could conceive of. Ella dio más peso a lo que la mente natural podía concebir, a lo que el ojo natural podía, podía ver. Y esto es un obstáculo a nuestra fe. This is an obstacle to our faith. And this is really the thing. We don't need to ask God to turn off our natural eyes, all right? God gave us our natural eyes. Amen, somebody. What you need to ask God to do is to help you to believe that what he has spoken is greater than what you see in the natural. Lo importante aquí es pedirle a Dios que nos dé la capacidad de creer lo que hemos oído más de lo que vemos. Because, you see, the Bible said that God honors those who believe although they have not seen. La Biblia nos dice que Dios honra al que cree aunque no ha visto. It's easy to sign up and believe when you can see it. But God is looking for somebody that will say, Lord, I believe you though I don't see it because I have heard your word. I have heard your voice. And because she weighed the natural and what she could see in the natural above the spiritual and what was spoken by God, she laughed. Listen, I want to challenge you with this. Do you give more weight to the voice of God or to what you see? Because look, I know what it's like. You look at a stack of bills. And the stack of bills is real. And it's not going away. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Are you here tonight? But, but in, in the same way that there's a stack of bills, there's a stack of promises right here. Amen, somebody. And the word says that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, which are you going to believe? Which are you going to credit? Which are you going to give more weight to? ¿A quién usted le va a dar más crédito, más peso, a lo natural o a lo espiritual? And you and I have to come to this place. And God has been saying this to us over and over again. But we have to come to this place where we value what God has spoken above every other thing. Tenemos que llegar a este lugar donde le creemos a Dios y, a, y damos más valor a lo que Dios ha dicho que a ninguna otra cosa en nuestra vida. Because when God speaks, there's power in his word. Cuando Dios habla, hay poder en su palabra. Say amen, somebody. Here's the second problem for Sarah is that she measured the divine by natural means. Segundo problema para Sara es que ella midió lo divino 
por medios naturales. Now, imagine I give you a hundred, a hundred foot tape measure. Imagínese yo le doy una, una cinta de medir que mide cien pies. And I tell you, go measure God. Le digo, ve y mide a Dios. Where would you start? ¿Dónde va a comenzar? A few days ago, I went to the hardware store. I won't say which one. And I said, I need 100 feet of this cable. And the young man, he said, uh, I'm going to have to get some help because our, our ruler only measures 20 feet. I said, Lord, help our public school system. Not hard math, son. But that's basically where we are when it comes to measuring God. If I give you a hundred foot measuring tape, there is no way to measure God. What if I gave you a thousand foot measuring tape? What if I gave you a mile long measuring tape? What if I gave you a thousand mile long measuring tape? Do you know how how big God is? The, the, the scientists are still discovering the edges of our universe. It's an ever-expanding universe, and God is beyond that. Say amen, somebody. Do you know they found a star so big that it wouldn't fit between the earth and the sun? A star so wide, so big that it wouldn't it wouldn't pass between the earth and the sun. Han descubierto una estrella tan grande que mide tan grande que no puede pasar entre el sol y la tierra. And the Bible said that our God held the stars in the palm of his hand. Dice la escritura que nuestro Dios detuvo las estrellas en la palma de su mano. Las desparramó sobre la noche. He scattered them across the dark of the night and he told that one, stay there, stay there, stay there, stay there. And they're there because of his word and because of his power. Come on somebody, you can't measure God. Usted no puede medir a Dios. And, and that's a good place to start. Ese es un buen lugar para comenzar. To say it out loud, I can't measure God. Say it again, I can't measure God. Now here's what we do. God says, by this time, next year, Sarah's going to have a baby. And Sarah pulls out her little six-inch ruler. To try to measure a divine promise by natural means. God's not, not measuring what he's speaking to you by, by a hundred foot measuring tape. He's, he's speaking to you by a divine measure. He's speaking to you because he's big enough to do the thing that he is saying he's going to do in your life. Dios no está hablando conforme la medida del hombre. Él está hablando conforme la, su medida, una medida divina. But here's the thing. And you and I have to watch for is that God will let you stay at the measure that you want. Dios te deja uh, vivir en la medida que tú quieras. 
He says, with the measure that you use, it will be used to measure for you. Con la misma medida que usted mide, mide con esa se te será medido. Listen, if we give to God with a teaspoon, God will give back with a teaspoon. If we give to God with a shovel, God will give back with a shovel. If we give to God with a, with a dump truck, God will give back with a dump truck. Say amen, somebody. You see, when you start dealing with what God is saying, when you deal with what God is doing, you can't pull out a natural means of measure. You've got to believe God on his level and know that there is nothing too difficult for God. Usted tiene que medir, no la medida natural, pero la medida divina, y saber que no hay nada imposible para Dios. Are you listening this evening? Because, you see, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit within the natural means of measure to believe God for the thing that he is speaking to Sarah's life. And yet, God doesn't need Sarah's measuring rod. God doesn't need Sarah's ruler. God doesn't need Sarah's standard. Sarah needs God's standard. We need God's standard. We need God's measuring rod. We need to understand there is no limit to what God can do. No hay límite a lo que Dios puede hacer. Is there anybody here that believes God? Here's problem number three. Aquí está el problema número tres. And this, this is important. She had an inner struggle which she denied outwardly. Número tres, el problema de Sara es que ella tenía una, un conflicto interior que ella negaba exteriormente. Now, this is not surprising either, because who is Sarah? Sarah is the wife of Abraham. Abraham has a staff of 350 men. That's a big staff. That's a big company. Sarah is the wife of a big shot. And he's not just a big shot in the natural. He's a big shot with God. How many of you would like to be influential with God? I mean, when you walk into the throne room of heaven, the Lord says, yes. What do you need? Come on. You want to have influence with God? You see, a lot of people trying to get influence with man, and they're not getting anywhere because man can't do anything for you. What you need is influence with God. And Sarah's married to a man that has influence with God. And in one passage, the, the, uh, the neighbors and the, the friends of Abraham, in a later passage, they call him a king. They say, Abraham, you're a big deal. Because Abraham was a multi-millionaire. He's probably a billionaire. And he was, he was a man that people looked at and he was recognized as having wealth and having influence with God and he was going to be a nation. And Sarah was going to have all that with him. She is a multi-millionaire. She is a billionaire's wife. And she is uh, going to be the mother of a nation. So there's no way she can go around saying, I don't believe it. But in her in, inner man, inwardly, she's got a conflict. 
that she has to deny outwardly. And I believe God wants us to think about this because a lot of times, because you're a Christian, you can't be real honest about what struggles going on in your heart. You think, I can't really deal with this stuff. I don't have anybody I can tell that I actually don't know if I believe. And I don't want you to be surprised at that because this happens to everybody. It happens to all kinds of people on all levels. I've told you about the fact that I've been, I've been standing in this church on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and the enemy will come and whisper in my ear, they say, what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? That's the pastor talking. I'll tell you, if that, if that happened to me, I know it happens to you. I just laughed at the devil. I said, devil, you showed up too late. I know Jesus. I know him personally. I spoke to him this morning. He's not dead. He's not even sick. He's alive. Come on, somebody. You showed up too late to tell me that, to sell me that lie. Come on, somebody. But, but you see, Sarah is dealing with an inward conflict. And I want to encourage you this evening because God knows your thoughts. Sarah didn't say it out loud. She didn't say, I, I don't believe. She didn't even laugh out loud. But, and she wasn't even under the tree where the angel and where the Lord was with Abraham. But the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? Spooky laugh. When you're inside the house, nobody even knows that you're overhearing the conversation. And you laugh internally. And the Lord says, why is Sarah laughing? Because you see, God came to deal with the inner conflict of her spirit. And God wants to deal with the inner conflict of your spirit. He wants to deal with the turmoil that goes on on the inside so that you can root out that unbelief. So that you can root out that voice that is contradicting the voice of God. And these voices are an impediment to the plan and purpose of God for your life. And, th and they don't have to be in your life. This conflict does not have to be a part of your walk. Ese conflicto no tiene que permanecer en tu vida. Dios lo sabe. Dios conoce tus pensamientos. God knows those times you thought, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to call my pastor. I'm going to call my leader. I'm just going to tell them I'm done. I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. God knows those times that you thought, I'm just going to quit this job. I'm going to quit college. I'm going to quit this marriage. God knows those times you said, I'm going to quit going to church. You see, you can wear the Christian t-shirt and have the bumper sticker, and that doesn't avoid the conflict that's going on in the soul, and that's what matters. I said, that's what matters. Somebody said, fake it till you make it. I don't believe that. I believe you need to get it right in order to make it. Because if you keep faking it, it's going to come out sooner or later. When you are in the fiery furnace, it's hard to fake it. And Sarah needs this visitation from God as much as Abraham. Perhaps more than Abraham. Because Abraham seems to be in a high point. 
And this is so essential for, for us to think about, especially if you're married, that, that sometimes it seems like when one of you is up, the other one is down. Because if we could ever just be up together, if we could ever just be strong together, but you see, Abraham seems to be up here, and he's just, he's just like, ooh, praise the Lord. God's speaking to me. I'm feeling it. I, I mean, I woke up this morning, and I was just ready. I'm, I'm God is at work, and Sarah's like, I just don't know if I believe this. I just don't know if I can do this. And that's why the Bible says two are better than one, because when one falls, the other can help him up. Does that mean somebody? Sarah needs this visitation as much as Abraham does. And God has come to address her heart just as much as he's come to address Abraham. He's come to encourage her heart. And God has come tonight to encourage your heart and to tell you, I know the conflict. I know the struggle. I know that your measuring stick doesn't add up. But you trust me. Look to me. Hope in me. I'm the healer. I'm the restorer. I'm the deliverer. I'm the one that can bring peace to the inner man. I'm the one that can bring peace to your soul. That can eliminate the conflict that's going on in your soul. She... She was at a higher place status-wise than she was spiritually. And that can be a real burden when you're supposed to be more than you are. Nobody's saying amen right now because this, this, is, this is real talk right here. When you're supposed to be the guy with all the answers, and you don't even know what the question is right now. And her status doesn't make her spiritually. And this is so important because nobody can give you a title that will make you spiritual. Nobody can give you a title that will make you believe God. Nobody can give you a certificate that says this is who you are. And that certificate is going to immediately elevate your spirit to the point of what God wants to do in your life. You have to have a relationship with God for yourself. You've got to have a talk with God for yourself. Come on, somebody. Because until, listen, until your spirit is on that level, the title will get you nowhere. There are people with titles who have no power, no spiritual influence, and there are people with no titles who have great spiritual influence. And God is visiting Sarah because he wants to address this fact. Listen, I need to bring you up to what I see in you, to what I have called out of you, to what I have decided to make of you. The Bible tells us about a man who came to the Lord and he said, Lord, my son is grievously demon-possessed. Pray for him. And the Lord said, do you believe? He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, the only way to deal with this is to be honest with God. Help my unbelief. I'm struggling to believe. I'm struggling to, to hold on. El hombre vino a Jesús y dijo, a mi hijo está endemoniado. Ora por él, libertalo. Y Jesús le dijo, ¿crees? Él dijo, sí creo, pero ayuda mi incredulidad. You see, because you can't put on a face with God. 
Usted no puede disfrazarse con Dios. You come to church with a mask on, you might fool everybody, but the Lord comes and sits next to you and says, what's going on? Nothing. No, no, really, what's going on? And aren't you glad that he notices? Aren't you glad that he cares? Qué bueno que Dios puede, puede ver detrás de, de la máscara y decir, algo está mal. Y yo he venido para sanar, para curar, para libertar, para levantar tu alma. Here's number four. Aquí está número cuatro. Sarah apparently was unprepared for the promise. Sara, número cuatro, no está preparada para recibir la promesa. I get worried sometimes when God gives a word and we're not ready for it. Sarah receives a, a word from the Lord, but apparently she isn't ready. She's not ready to make the catch. Esta mujer recibe esta promesa de Dios, pero ella no está lista para para recibirla. On the contrast, Abraham is sitting there at the door of his tent. No, en contraste, Abraham ahí está sentado en la puerta de su tienda, and he's just kind of looking. This is my day. My victory's coming today. And when that when, the, when the, he saw those three uh, men on the horizon, he ran after them. He said, hey, come to my house. Don't pass me by. I need you to visit my house. Sarah, on the other hand, does not appear to be ready. Tell your neighbor, be ready. Tell your neighbor, stay in position. How valuable a, a spiritual truth is this, that you and I need to be in position. We need to stay ready to receive the word of the Lord. Tenemos que mantenernos en la posición para poder recibir la palabra de Dios. And if you ever played baseball, what happens if you don't stay in your position? The ball always goes right over there, doesn't it? You're the outfielder. You're the third baseman. Stay in position. Oh, but they have popcorn over there. They have hot dogs over there. Hi, Mom. You're not going to win any games unless you stay in position and you just be ready because that ball's coming in my way. And, and, and you don't realize how important it is because the enemy wants to move you out of position every day. And you have to stay in position to receive what is God going to say? What does God want to do? We've started a new year. And you've got to be ready to receive the word of the Lord. And I'll give you an example. Listen, God's been talking about 2020 to this church for the last few months. And there's still people who haven't heard a single one of those messages. They don't know what's coming. They don't know what to expect. Because they weren't in position. But you were in position. 
I said, you were in position. Have you been listening? Have you been waiting? Have you been standing where God put you? Listen, it may not always be that every day is fireworks and every day is a, a, a day of, of extraordinary breakthrough. But don't leave the place God put you in. Don't leave the position God placed you in because that's where he's going to move. I read it to you this morning. The Bible says in the morning Abraham went to the place where God had appeared to him. He went to the place where God was moving. The position is important. You've got to be in the right place. You've got to be in the spot that God has designed for you. And that, that means not, not a room in your house or a seat in the church, but in your spirit, being ready to catch what God wants to deliver and to deposit and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. I'm ready. I want what you have for me. The Bible tells us about Ruth. Ruth was a pagan, Moabitess, but she joined herself to Naomi. She came out of Moab into Bethlehem, and they were poor. Naomi was, was penniless, and now she has a daughter-in-law, and they're penniless together. They come into the land. According to the customs of Israel, the poor could go into the fields, and whatever the the laborers had not picked up or had dropped while they were harvesting the grain, they could go and pick up the scraps. Little stalks of wheat here and there, and they could, they could make enough to, to grind up a, a loaf of bread and have something to eat. They didn't send it to them in the mail. There were no checks. They had to go to the field and pick it up. And the Bible said that, that Naomi sent Ruth out, and Ruth didn't know the land, she didn't know the place, but she went out to a field. What she didn't realize was that she was right in the spot, right in the position to be useful to God and to be blessed by God. She was in the field of Boaz. I said she was in the field of Boaz. You say, who's Boaz? Boaz was the rich man. He was rich and he was single. He was available, and she was poor, and she was available. So that seems like that seems like a match made in heaven, right? And there she is picking little grain here, little grain there, putting that into her basket. And when Boaz saw her, he said, wow. Everybody say, wow. Y'all are the weakest Boaz I've ever heard. Wow. That, he called his labor over. He said, hey, who's that woman? He said, uh, that is Ruth, the daughter-in-law of Naomi. He said, I'll tell you what you're going to do. When you see her working, following behind you in the row, picking up the scraps, I want you to leave handfuls on purpose for her. And and so there goes Ruth picking up a scrap here, a scrap there, and then suddenly a handful here and a handful there. 
And before she knew it, she was going home with so much grain that she couldn't believe it because you couldn't get that much grain by picking up scraps. But she had found the spot that God would bless. She had found the place, the position that God would bless. Come on, Kingsway Church. God has put you in the field, and he's left handfuls of grace, handfuls of provision, handfuls of purpose. Come on, somebody. You ought to get excited because God has put you in the position to bless you. Tell your neighbor, stay in position. Sarah wasn't ready. But it was God's time. And God had come to deal with the unbelief of her heart. Because he wasn't going to allow his timing and his purpose to be hindered by a broken part in her life. He came to address those issues in her life because there was too much hanging on it. Listen, Sarah didn't realize it, but there was more hanging on this than just one baby. There was a nation depending on this. In fact, there was a world depending on this. You and I today are dependent on what happened in Genesis chapter 18. Because out of that child, out of Isaac, would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Our Lord Jesus Christ was part of that promise. Listen, somebody. What God wants to do in your life is bigger than you. That's why you can't quit. That's why you can't go and hide in a hole. That's why you can't go and say, God, just let me die. Because what God is up to in your life is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than the generations you can see. It's bigger than the family you can see. God is doing something in your life right now. And he's doing something in this church that's going to impact eternity. Come on, somebody. It's bigger than you. You've got to stay in position. You've got to get ready. You've got to put out the unbelief so that God can use you to accomplish that work in your life. Tell your neighbor, this is bigger than me. Can you see it? Can you see it by faith? You never know. You never know what God is up to. How big it is. How long lasting it is. How many generations it's going to touch. I was moved this morning in the worship service as we were singing. And I just the, the text came to mind. Oh God, you have been my dwelling place for a thousand generations. And I thought about all the generations of my family that have known the Lord and walked with God. And I thought of the incredible legacy that God has given us as a family. And to say, my father walked with God. And my grandfather walked with God. And my great-grandfather walked with God. And to know that this is not going to end here, but it's going to go on and on and on. I thought about the, the faithfulness of God. 
and the longevity of God and the endurance of God that he will not allow today's hiccups and today's setbacks to destroy his purpose. This thing is bigger than you. This thing is bigger than your generation. Come on, somebody. God only needs you to believe him. To believe his word. And to count his word bigger than what you see. Bigger than what you can measure. So that he can say about you like he says about Sarah in the book of Hebrews. By faith, Sarah received. Say it with me, by faith, Sarah received. Say it again, by faith, Sarah received. One more time, by faith, Sarah received. Why am I having you repeat that? Because I'm talking about you. That's what they're going to say about you. By faith, they received. By faith, they received. They received what was promised. Come on, somebody. Are you ready to receive what God has promised? I said, are you ready to receive what God has promised? By faith, Sarah received the ability to conceive even when she was old. By faith, you're going to receive the impossible things done in your life. Out of season, no problem. Say amen, somebody. Out of season, no problem. Do you believe God tonight? Stand up with me. Come into this altar, if you would. And I want you to activate your faith. And here's where I want you to begin. I just want you to say, Lord, if there's anything on the inside of me, that would cause me to be unbelieving concerning your promise. I reject it right now. And I take my position as a man of faith, as a woman of faith. Come into the field. Come and stand in the place God has prepared.